Hello, you're just about to hear the latest instalment of the After Aston Eye podcast. But before it starts, we just wanted to warn you that we have had some gremlins with the audio quality on this one. You'll still be able to hear the amazing story so far from our guest, the fantastic Grace Ubawuchi, but there might be one or two small distractions here and there. We hope you still enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome to the After Aston Eye podcast. I'm Katrina Wipery, a graduate of the Aston Executive MBA. And I'm Jeff Savage from Aston's Alumni Relations and Development Team. Join us as we chat to our Aston University alumni and hear the remarkable stories of where their careers have taken them. We have more than 100,000 alumni in 100 countries around the world. Between them, they're saving lives, competing in the Olympics, building multi-million pound empires, getting on important lists and a whole lot more. Get ready to be inspired as we discover what some of our alumni did after Aston. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of After Aston Eye. Today we're joined by another amazing graduate, Grace Uwawuchi. Grace studied business and international relations at Aston and is now taking the drinks world by storm with her frozen cocktail brand, Sin and Voltaire. The founder and CEO's journey began when she saw a gap in the market. Sorbet cocktails didn't exist. She soon found out that was for a very good reason that alcohol is notoriously difficult to freeze. After years of hard work, Grace has produced the world's first strongly spirited frozen cocktails. Sin and Voltaire cocktails are now stocked by big names such as Birmingham's legendary electric cinema, Selfridges, Soho House and London's luxurious Mandarin Oriental, with plans for international expansion also on the way. Not only that, but Grace has also recently won the most promising medium-sized business title at this year's KPMG Black Entrepreneurs Awards. Grace Ubawichi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to meet you both. It's absolutely lovely to have you here. Now, we're going to launch straight into some questions. Katrina, do you want to head us off? Yeah, of course. But before we do, I do want to say a big congratulations on your success and also on the Black Entrepreneur Award. It must feel amazing to have your work recognized. Oh, absolutely. I started this business quite a few years ago and it's not been an easy road to say the least, but it has definitely been one that has been the most enjoyable and with the biggest learning. So I I appreciate it. And it means a lot coming from KPMG. Can you tell us a little bit more about your business? So Sin and Voltaire, how did that all start? Where did that idea come from? Yeah. So I'm speaking to the right people because I actually started the business when I was at university and uh, I was in my uni dorm, not really a dorm apartment, but hey, I was there and it was actually quite interesting because I think a lot of my experiences that led up to that point was just my experience with alcohol and just socializing and going out with friends and family. I was able to actually experience the cocktail world and that really sucked me in. The theater, the craftsmanship, everything behind it was what um, captivated me. But I also wanted to be able to have it outside of a bar or restaurant. And so for me, it was about finding ways that I can capture that, bottle it and put it in a tub and explore that outside of the bar. And so that's the journey, really that journey for me. It's like having your cocktail and eating it. I think that's a fabulous idea. (laughs) Yeah, especially that line right there. And someone I really respect came up with the line, have your cocktail and eat it too. And so that's exactly what we're doing right now. Sounds amazing. When that idea first popped up, did you start thinking with kind of like the end product in mind? 
are you one of those people that envisaged how you wanted it to eventually end up or did you just start off with the core of the idea and think well this is going to grow organically oh that's such a good question because when i started i was really just trying to satisfy my own curiosity and so i didn't know what it looked like in the beginning actually our first iteration was flavored ice and in my fundamental issue was that ice would dilute the cocktail and I am such a consumer where I hate to be cheated. And so when I'd get a cocktail and there would be ice in it, I felt like there would always be more ice in the drink. And I love bartenders. I work with a lot of them. So this is not the reality of today. The ice would be in the drink and then you get the drink, but it would dilute it and actually have a window through which you consume your cocktail. And so I still speed drink my cocktails till today. But I think ultimately... That's why I wanted to create something that when it melted, it enhanced um, the drink rather than took away. And that's why the ice or combining everything was really important. But actually, I didn't achieve that in the first iteration because I didn't actually include the alcohol in it. And so it was important for me to pursue the problem or the solution to the problem that I had, which was ultimately to first combine something that you find in a cocktail, but combine it in a way that still preserves the quality of the, the cocktail, but also the integrity behind it and the craftsmanship, but also took it to the next level. And so I think we've managed to find a way to do that. Would you say that you were quite tenacious? Oh, that is like my middle name. How did you know? I am definitely tenacious. I am like a dog with a bone. I just cannot stop. And Funnily enough, I met someone on a train last year and he said that entrepreneurship is epigenetic. Um, but also he said that it's, it's got a, there's a compulsion element to it where you actually can't stop. And I always say can't stop, won't stop. You just you have to keep going because essentially when you do become an entrepreneur or when you do enter this journey, you, there has to be that quality about you where you despite the reality and despite how hard it is and despite the growing pains, you keep going because you know that you're doing something special and you're doing something that will essentially bring about change. And so that's what keeps me going. And so you need tenacity to be able to get there and keep going. So Grace, what I found fascinating about your company is your business name. So what was the idea behind that? Where did that come from? So that name actually came again, when I was in university. And essentially what we found and what I found is that there is a balance in everything that we do as human beings. And particularly when it comes to the balance between kind of our head and our heart. And sin, which is the Cantonese word for many different uh, meanings, by the way, but the one that really resonated with me was relationship between the heart and the mind. And I felt like that was always an inherent struggle that we as human beings had but there needed to be a balance because essentially the heart would regulate the mind. But also Voltaire, who's a French philosopher, and at the time we were learning about him when I was in university, and so it was so front of mind for me. Voltaire said that pleasure should be the goal of every rational man. And that was essentially what I was pursuing, that pursuit of pleasure, but also finding the balance in that. And I think there's like a thread that runs between the business and where our heart is and what we're trying to do but also directly to the product and how that communicates. The product is a very different style of alcohol product. And to actually freeze it, there needs to be that balance and stabilizer so that we can actually freeze the alcohol. And so 
again, that balance runs straight from product through to who we speak to as a business. And so I find that they're quite symbiotic. So long as we keep getting it right with what we give to the people, we speak directly to the human tension and what customers are looking for. And so Sino Voltaire really signifies balance for us and for the people we speak to. That's quite deep for a university student, especially students now as well, like where we get our ideas from for business names. That's amazing. And I'm glad that's something that you took from Aston as well. Oh, absolutely. There's so many different influences that we have. Of course, like me, as I said before, I'm an exception, not the rule. And so the fact is that we all draw from the different parts of us that can matter. But I find that actually it speaks quite closely to who I am as a human being. And the reason why it matters to me is because I think there's like a bit of personality, my personality that's within, rooted within the name, but also what we're trying to do. So yeah, it's quite important. What I'm getting so far, I'll confess, I've done a little bit of research. I've been reading other interviews with you and stuff anyway. But this seems to be the words that are always used are spotted a gap in the market. And that always sounds quite cold. But the more you talk about it, it seems quite obvious that it was almost the passion came first and, and the gap in the market almost came later. Is that accurate? It's so accurate. I think, again, I think quite differently to, to most people because I consider myself a problem solver generally. So I like to solve my own problems. When I started, it was because of my own passions and what I was looking for as a human being, what satisfied me. But also then, obviously, you then start taking into consideration uh, all the macroeconomic things out there, the things that actually influence that. And so from my perspective, it was okay. Then if I feel this way, then actually more people do feel this way because there are going to be more people like me. I'm a consumer. I'm a customer. And so when there's one, there's many. And so that's how I think. And so if I'm thinking this, then definitely more people are having the same issues. And so when I do tell people about the fact that I hated that ice would melt and, and water down my drink, I can say that out of five people in a room, three of them will agree with me, if not all of them. That was forever issue that they had when they'd go out and, and get a cocktail. So absolutely, it definitely has to be birthed by a passion. I do think that there are some people who look at it from the other way. I don't know if there's a right or wrong way, and I'm definitely not as far along to be able to say definitively, don't look at the gap in the market. Because the thing is that actually there are points in business where your passion is what keeps you going. And so it will get difficult. So if you don't have that emotional tie, if you don't have that thing, that kind of that thread that kind of ties you to it, it gets quite difficult. So I know for myself, yeah, you run on fumes. So it's really the passion pushing you to get through. Grace, you mentioned earlier that you have a French business partner. And is that something that you always wanted to go into, into the French market? Basically, Nina Mete, who's an incredible chef who actually just won best pastry chef in the world, is someone I really respect and look up to. And so when I found Nina, at the time she was young, I think she was just 30 years old, on her journey and really making waves. And I really resonated with her because for me, it's so important to surround myself with really influential but powerful women because my mum and dad have always taught me that iron sharpens iron. So, so long as you surround yourself with people who inspire you, you yourself will aspire to, to do the same. And so Nina was someone who's incredibly talented and skilled 
at what she does and working with her. We took about two years, two plus years to actually do it. But working with her was such an incredible process and just seeing everything that she's done. She's done some things that people would only dream of doing at her age and not just at her age as someone who is who she is, a dreamer. Just popping back to your time at university, placement years, they're pretty common in the UK now. It was actually Aston that pioneered them originally, a year in industry or studying abroad, meaning that people graduate with real experience under their belts. Am I right? Did you work on your business during the placement year? So yes, I worked on my business during my placement year. I am very stubborn. And so I definitely didn't want to work at anyone else's business during that placement year. And I believed it was really important to invest that time because there was always a lot of messaging about like time is of the essence. Like you are, you're supposed to seize the day. And so I just felt like I would be losing out if I didn't pour myself into the business and into what I was trying to create if I didn't spend that time. And so thankfully, Aston accepted me doing that. And I don't think I would have been able to get this far had I not spent that year um, working on the business. Do you think, because obviously you'll have had quite a different experience to a lot of your peers, your classmates, people in a similar position. I'm, I'm sure there's pros and cons. I'm sure there's all sorts of ups and downs. I'm sure you had highs and lows. Did it feel when you came, when you come back for that final year, do you feel that you'd had a very different year from all the other people around you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think it's important that everyone gets the experience that is needed within the the trajectory that they're going in. I think that as much as it was a blessing for me, and I would say that nothing matures you more than having to build something with no help and pretty much figuring it out brick by brick, right? You, It's a lot of character development. And I always say one of my favorite things about uni is that you never leave the same way you came. And so that's both a positive and a negative because it's up to you to decide who you're trying to become so that you make sure that you're intentional enough to, to be that person when you leave. And so for me, particularly, I was trying to build something that I had never done before to the scale that I was trying to do it. And it was very tough. And I came back fully understanding what I needed to do to get to the next step. And so I think for my peers, who has always known me, quite frankly, I've always been that person who speaks, speaks about my dreams and my vision. I'm sure they wouldn't be surprised to know that I'm still obsessing over this business today. And I'm sure they could see that when I came back from the placement year. So 100%. Yeah, to answer your question. From personal experience, I know that freezing alcohol is not the easiest thing to do. But what are the kind of challenges or kind of any hurdles that you face like building your business? Have you faced any kind of specific challenges so far? Oh, let me get my book of challenges. <laughs> That I <laughs> we talk about in this business, we are not shy about talking about the challenges because they are so front of mind. I think there's a term in life that we say learnings, right? Because a learning implicitly means that there was a failure so that you can get the learning. And we failed. So in fact, we fail on a daily basis. We are failures. We fail daily. But the good thing about it is that we are becoming experts in failure recovery. And I think that 
probably the most important thing. One of the challenges that we face in the very beginning, so even when Nina and I were working together, when we first did it, it was slush. So there was no physical sorbet that you can pick up and eat. Like it was complete slush. And so it, that's why it took so long because alcohol doesn't freeze. It, it was a journey. And so we failed countless times before we were able to get it right. And now we've been able to consistently do that. And then when it comes to actually moving product, like our product is frozen at point of manufacture. So moving it around from place to place means that it needs temperature controlled logistical chain. So cold chain logistics. And so that meant that we're actually one of the first people to be offering that as a e-commerce platform where people can order and deliver. And so that in itself meant that we were using people who were either first to the market in terms of doing that and offering that as a service or creating business models within businesses that didn't actually currently have that functionality. So you can imagine whenever you do something for the first time, there is always a failure. And then imagine being the test case where businesses are trying it for the first time with us and the amount of failures that they faced and we faced as a result of that. And from some of the, the test cases that we did with deliveries where the products will end up like completely melted right? and that's a hit. So we need to figure out where was the problem? How do we fix it? So that's something that doesn't happen again. Or we've worked with some bars where we offered freezers so that they can have the product in its specific freezer. But what will happen is each day they'll switch off the freezer and it will melt and then they will put the product in the next day in a warm freezer and it will melt and then freeze again. And so those are like some of the learnings that you have where it's about education, but also making sure that actually failure isn't a bad thing. I think that's the really, I think failure is such a dirty word, right? People are so afraid of it, but actually it is such a good thing because imagine a world where you never failed and actually you only ever succeeded. The moment you fail, it's a house of cards that you've built. Everything will fall down. And I think that actually with failing, you build your house, you build your business on a firm foundation so that you can actually weather storms rather than, yeah, continue to fail and actually not really know what to do moving forward. So I think, yeah, we faced a lot. That's just like two. We've got a thousand in the bank. <laughs> it's ready to go. But yeah, it is. I think every startup will tell you that it is a series of failures. Um, and actually your success rate is probably less than 10%. Let me elaborate on that actually. When I say that success rate is less than 10%, you fail more than you succeed. So actually when I first started, I'd be sending out emails. So if I sent out 60 emails a day, there'll be a day where I got no responses back. That's 100% failure. But actually I've had fewer yeses than I have had no's. And so I've had a lot more no's than I have had yes. And so that in itself is a failure. If everyone gave me what I wanted, I'd be a billionaire right now. I'd probably have retired by the time I'd got into my second year. But those failures are what have helped me to get to a point where I know I have more self-assuredness and I have more clarity on this business. And I can speak to you all and fully understand that actually we've succeeded in a lot of things. That's very inspirational, Grace. Thank you. That is fantastic. And it's just reminded me, because we've already had Voltaire in this conversation, and it just reminded me of Samuel Beckett, 
that he's got a line, try again, fail again, fail better, which I think is one of the great lines. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Are you able to give us any glimpse of your plans for international expansion? Uh, Are you able to let us know anything about that at this stage? Yeah, we are very aggressive with our strategy. And so it's not just been the UK, it's always been an international strategy, always in our arsenal. And so we are just expanded and working within Switzerland and Italy through some partners that we recently signed on. And so we have a more European strategy in mind where we can quite penetrate the market from some of the successes that we've had from either B2B to some of the hotels that we had, but also going deeper in some of the relationships that we forged already in the UK. So we're looking at a few markets right now, which is quite exciting, but also exploring other avenues from travel. So some cruises to some airlines as well, which is really exciting. And so 2024 is really looking like the year where we go probably 200% harder than we went this year, which is very exciting. Grace, we've already established you love solving problems. You love finding solutions. Hearing you talk about the challenges within the UK alone and then the aggressive international strategy, do you feel that sometimes you go looking for challenges, looking for problems to solve? I think there is a certain part of me that loves solving problems. I think there's something about it that that shows that you've achieved something. So I definitely think there's a part of me, unfortunately, that sort of asks for it, wants it. But the part of me today is looking for peace. Like I'm trying to work on things that, that's a lie. Do you enjoy it? I do. I think there's like a badge of honor in this business that we're in where you see something out there, even if it's not necessarily problem solving, but opportunity creation, where it's a challenge and you want to be able to do something and you put your stamp on it. And so from my perspective, both sides of the coin are exciting. If I could give advice, if I'm even in a position to do so to anybody, it would be don't shy away from problems that they, they make you who you are but also the fact that actually you should probably be excited by a challenge because it means that you get to solve it and then you get to become almost the next step in solving that problem. So I think that's it's a mental game, actually, when you're doing it. And so I think for me, yeah, I think part of me likes it, but a, a part of me wants to be a better person and a better entrepreneur where I can say that I've done things and I have been in situations that I've overcome because I think it's those kind of battle wounds that you get to see with other people and compare. There's an understanding there. Maybe I'm, I'm looking for peace this weekend. I'm not looking for any more challenges or problems this weekend. They can come next week. I, I want to enjoy my weekend. So back to the cocktails then. So what would you say was your favorite one or is it a bit like kind of choosing your favorite child? Is it that kind of situation? I would say everyone in the team would probably echo the fact that they're all our children and it's very hard to choose between them. But I I don't know if I should say publicly which one my favorite is, but I will say one that, so we have a flavor called Florian, which at the time was my favorite. And Nina brought it out as one of the rejects. So she was like, I have some rejects here. You should try it just so that you know what they are. 
but she brought it and I tried it and I honestly, I fell in love with it. If anything, I'd never had anything that tasted quite like it before. And one of the reasons I'm in this is because I love adventure. And so I felt like it it had a flavor profile that was so uniquely ours and had a, a complexity to it that people and customers had never really experienced before. So I would say that one, that one story always makes me feel good that we were able to revive it and bring it into our core range so that people can try something new and something a little bit more interesting. I have a lot of favorites. All of them are my favorites on different days. I did actually have a look at your website and the one that caught my eye was, is it called Alphonse? It reminds me of a particular martini, but I think I'll be putting an order in quite soon, to be honest. They all look fabulous. So if someone wanted to get a hold of these cocktails, where would they need to go? I would say the best place to go is on our website, sheenamorter.com. That is where you can actually access all of our different flavors and get it delivered to your house. I think ease of um, ordering and also convenience of getting it straight to your door is always great. But you can also, if you're in London, it's in Selfridges. We also are in and around London in between like hotels and bars and restaurants. But we are about to work with a few of the online delivery companies, which we'll mention very soon, as well as we're looking at rolling out into some retail outlets as well next year. But I would definitely steer everyone to the website. It's a great experience. That sounds great, but you're more than welcome to have a conversation with our Aston Students Union as well. I'm sure they wouldn't say no. Yeah, I would absolutely love it there. So we'll definitely be talking to whoever manages that because that would be incredible. Grace, to wrap up, we've got three questions that we're going to be asking all of the guests on this podcast. So you, you all get the same quick fire three and I'll start you off. What's the most valuable lesson that you've learned in your career so far? I would say that is failure is a good thing. Failure is always a good thing because you get learnings from it. What's next for you? What's next for me? I always say this, global domination. I'm forever on that journey to taking over the world, but in a socially responsible way. (laughs) I just, my aspirations run wild. Our North Star is to make sure that this product is something that people can enjoy at home on their Friday night or whenever they choose to enjoy something and that treat that they can look forward to at home. So 100% global domination, but more granularly, yeah, speaking to the everyday consumer. And finally, where can people find you if they wanted to connect with you? Well, LinkedIn's always good. I think that's where I'd say everybody to come and say hello to me on LinkedIn. It's been great hearing your story, Grace. Thanks for taking time to chat with us. And we wish you all the best with your business in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good luck to everyone at Aston or everyone who's left. Like, such an incredible university to be a part of. It's something I'm really, really proud of. Thank you for joining us for this episode of After Aston Eye. We hope you feel inspired and that you've learned as much as we have. Stay tuned for more episodes. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out the Aston for Life platform, our exclusive online space for alumni. You can get access to personalized professional development content, industry networks, and a directory to help you connect with others working in your sector. You can get involved in the platform by creating your own content, 
And if you can't see a network that you think should be on there, you can submit a pitch to be a network leader. Head to alumni.aston.ac.uk to get started. Until next time.